1: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Barn. Dr. Cubit. it's exciting to have you back with us this week. Good to be back, Katie, as always. So before we jump into this week's topic, we just want to mention, before you make any changes to your horse's feed program, please contact our nutritionist at Stanley directly or consult with your veterinarian. And of course, if you have any questions that come about after listening to any of our podcast episodes, we encourage you to reach out to us at podcast at stanleyforage.com. We're always here to answer your questions. And Dr. Cuba is always so great about helping us out with getting any of your guys's questions answered. So today we get to talk about oil and this came up from some feedback that we have heard. The question that I have is how do horses digest oils if they don't have gallbladders, Dr. Cubit? This is a great question. And let's not say oil.
0: Let's just use the correct term fat, because we're really talking about fat. We're not just talking about oil. Okay. Um, And I think that the big confusion is that horse owners read a lot and they learn a lot about their own health and how humans digest foods. And they automatically try and apply that to horses. And they do that with the best of intentions. But remember, you are not a horse. You don't eat hay and your horse is not a human. He's not eating candy bars. So while we as humans have a gallbladder that can store bile that is secreted by the liver, horses don't have a gallbladder, that storage unit for bile. And bile, as well as pancreatic juices produced by the pancreas are what break down fats. So then people jump to the conclusion, well, if a horse doesn't have a gallbladder, how on earth is he going to be able to break down fat? He can still break down fat, he just can't break down large quantities of fat. But remember, go back to what is a horse designed to do? He's designed to stand out in a field and constantly graze. About 17 out out of 24 hours, he is continually grazing. So he has a small amount of food constantly trickling through his digestive system. The liver is constantly producing small amounts of bile because forages, grasses, for example, that horses are meant to eat are about 2 to 3% fat. So whilst it's not very high fat, there is fat in grasses that have to be digested and so the liver produces that bile continually and it's continually being broken down by that bile and by those pancreatic juices. Where we get concerned is Oh my, my doctor told my grandfather that he needed to have to cut the fat out of his diet because he's getting hypertension and high blood pressure and it's going to lead to cardiac problems. And my horse is a little overweight, so maybe I should stop feeding him fat. Well, maybe you should stop feeding him a high fat diet because he's fat, but not because he's going to have any cardiac issues or because he can't digest the fat. A high fat diet in a person's diet, a high fat um, percentage for a person would be about 75% of your diet coming from fat. In a horse, in research settings, we have barely been able to get them to eat 25% of their total diet as fat. Remember, your horse is going to eat 20 to 25 pounds of hay per day, and that's 2 to 3% fat. And then you're going to add maybe six pounds of a high performance, high fat feed that's got 12% fat in it, but it's still only six pounds. And then maybe you'll put a pump of vegetable oil or, or whatever your oil of choice, and that's 99% fat, um, but it still is one ounce. So the total diet is still very low in fat, even if we have horses on a what we consider a high fat diet. So hopefully, I, I talked a lot, but hopefully that clears up some of the misconceptions around high fat diets for horses versus people and how people digest fat versus horses digest fat.
1: Right. That I think that was a great answer that you had there just because there are some people that don't really understand how horses can even digest those oils without having gallbladders. I mean, we've had those questions coming into us. And so I'm really glad that we're able to kind of address that now and help people understand that a little bit better. So can you share with us what are some common types of oils that we can add to horse diets? And do you have a few top favorites that you like to recommend to your equine nutrition clients specifically?
0: Sure. And I'm not going to get into brands because we could just be here all day long, but it comes to the goal of the client. Um, The first thing I'm going to ask a client is why do you want to add oil or fat to your horse's diet? And if it's purely because I want them to gain weight is the answer, then every single type of oil has the exact same calorie content be it corn oil rice bran oil fish oil flaxseed oil they all have exactly the same calorie content megacal per pound is exactly the same but then we dig a little deeper. Well, I'd also like my oil to provide my horse with some good omega fatty acids. So we would then at that point steer away from something like corn oil because it's very high in omega-6 fatty acids and we would lean more towards oils that are higher in omega-3 fatty acids. So again, if, if you just want to add fat to your diet, I usually recommend go to the grocery store and buy yourself some vegetable oil. It's soybean oil and that is going to put weight on your horse.
1: And so you talked a little bit about omega three and omega sixes. So do horses naturally produce those in their body? Or is that something that we have to feed to them so they can have that in the body?
0: No, they are considered omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids are considered essential. And when you use that term correctly in equine nutrition, it means that the horse cannot manufacture those in its own body. They have to be consumed in the diet. And so you look at pasture grasses, for example, are high in omega-3 fatty acids. Cereal grains have a lot of omega-6 fatty acids. Um, Some people also talk about omega-9 fatty acids and wow, that's in the oil I'm feeding. Well, that doesn't matter because omega-9 fatty acids are not essential to the horse.
1: Okay, so three and six are the most important for a horse. Okay. Correct. So what then is the difference between omega-3s and 6s? Oh, really,
0: it's biochemistry and what they look like under a microscope, um, how many bonds they have. But really when it comes down to what does it actually mean for the horse owner and for the horse, Omega-3 fatty acids, they help with anti-inflammatory properties and brain, eye, lung, health. Um, The omega-6 fatty acids are essential for your pro-inflammatory response. So a bee stings you and you swell up to get rid of whatever has entered, you know, foreign particle that's entered your body. And those omega-6 fatty acids help with that kind of pro-inflammatory response. And I think that's where we get a little bit of the, you know, misconception that omega-6 fatty acids are really terrible for horses and that we need to take them out of the diet. We don't necessarily need to take them out of the diet because they are essential and they need to eat them. But depending on what you do with your horse or what disorders that it might have, you might be really looking to try and increase the amount of omega-3 fatty acids. Okay. That's very
1: interesting. So then, why do horses, you said that they're, well, I guess you said they're essential. So, why do horses need omega 3 and 6 fatty acids in their diet? And is there an appropriate ratio that we need to shoot for? Or is it really just dependent on the purpose that we're adding it to the diet for? I mean, they're essential for life.
0: You need to be able to get rid of, say, omega-6s, for example. You need to have a pro-inflammatory response. You need to be able to get rid of toxins out of your body, otherwise they would just take over. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential for brain and eye and um, nervous system development for anti-inflammatory properties. And as I said, you can't make them. So they must be in the diet. Um, As far as a ratio, there is no set requirement for omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. We know that they're essential and they're required, but to date, we have no actual requirement like for calcium and phosphorus or zinc and copper. We have a set requirement, you know, a thousand pound horse doing moderate exercise needs X milligrams of these. We do not know that. And we don't even know what the ideal ratios are for omega-3s and omega-6 fatty acids.
1: Okay. So if we don't feed oils in the diet, if we choose not to add it to the diet, whether it be just added measurement in, you know, adding it to the feed that you already are giving to your horse or in grain that it might already be in, what are other ways that we can add omega-3 and six fatty acids to the diet with them being essential and everything? Are there other ways that we can do that? Well, Think about horses
0: in the wild didn't really go to the grocery store and buy vegetable oil and put it in their feed. Right. (laughs) Well, forget about omega-9s because they synthesize those in their own body. They make those, so we won't talk about those anymore. And then omega-3s and omega-6s, well, know that omega-6s are everywhere, so they're always going to be, whatever they're consuming is going to have omega-6 fatty acids in it. They're very abundant in the environment, in their foods. But if you're thinking about omega-3s in particular, Fresh green grass is where a horse in the wild would have predominantly gotten their omega-3 fatty acids from. But again, a horse is meant to graze for about 17 hours out of the day. And that would also only give them, if we use kind of the analogies that we use for, say, vitamin E or other nutrients that come from fresh green grass, horses in the wild didn't do High performance exercise. They they weren't heavily exercising. So whatever they got out of the grass from grazing for 17 hours in the day, that was only enough for maintenance. So when we take a horse and we put it in heavy dressage exercise or we're doing three day venting, you know, we increase the exercise load. So that now that they're in heavy exercise, we need to add extra. And so you're going to utilize feeds that contain added omega-3 fatty acids. And then it really, when we just focus on omega-3 fatty acids, it gets a lot more in detail that there are actually three different types of omega-3 fatty acids as well. And certain omega-3s are more effective than others.
1: Okay. And then so for the omega sixes, is that something where you would just look towards like some sort of concentrate or something like that to help get those omega sixes up for the horse or?
0: Yeah, I, to be honest, I really don't ever worry about a horse getting enough omega six fatty acids. I just know that whatever they're putting in their mouth, be it grass, hay, you know, a basic grain, they're going to get omega sixes in their diet. It's more depending on the goal and the level of the horse and what they're doing or maybe what disease state they're going through as to whether I'm really focused on putting more omega-3s in the diet or not. Let's say a horse that gets severe allergies or gets seasonal allergies. I'm going to really try and add a lot more omega-3s to the diet to harness that anti-inflammatory property.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. That's a really helpful hint there. So going into the next question, this is, you know, kind of a common myth that we've heard or a common concern, I guess, that people kind of spout out about um, with omega-6s. But can oil or maybe even any certain types of oils cause inflammation, maybe not in the way the natural like inflammatory response that we want to kind of help get rid of toxins, but can it cause other sorts of inflammation, any types of oil that we wouldn't want to see?
0: You know, I think that folks will extrapolate and take a little bit of what they read and say, oh, well, I wouldn't feed corn oil because it's going to cause my horse to get more inflammation. I'm going to look at it slightly different to that. I don't ever recommend corn oil because it's got very little omega-3 fatty acids, so it's doing nothing to help with the anti-inflammatory properties that I want. Yes, it is high in omega-6s, and that's part of the pro-inflammatory response. Are horses ever really eating that much? Probably not, but for whatever reason you, you want to believe in your mind, corn oil is one oil that I do not recommend that we feed now, but take that. With When we first started doing research on oils and high-fat diets in horses, which was the oil that we used the most because it was the absolute most palatable, it was corn oil. So you do the best with the knowledge that you have at the time. So in 10 years' time, if we're still doing this podcast or maybe there'll be some other weird kind of way of getting information out to people – we might go back and re-listen to this and say everything we said was wrong because we've learned so much more. So just because your grandfather may have fed corn oil to your horse doesn't mean they were doing anything wrong. It was just, that's what they knew at the time. And now we know more now.
1: Right. Just doing the best that they can with the information that they had and the research that was, (laughs) had been done at that point. (laughs) Yes. So can you give us an example A diet and this might be just even set up an example of a certain type of horse because I know that that is going to be very dependent on you know maybe if the horse is underweight overweight or if they have other issues or anything like that so go ahead and take that into account but can you give us an example or maybe even a couple example diets where you would add oil to a horse diet and then how do you know how much to add so
0: okay the easiest one is my horse is thin I want it to gain weight. And so we evaluate the diet. First thing I look at is how much hay are you giving or how much pasture do you have available? Typically, there's no pasture available, so they're reliant on hay. How much are you giving? Are you giving at least 2% of the ideal body weight? Not the 850 pounds that the horse is now, but 2% of the ideal body weight of 1,000 pounds. So that would be, are you giving it 20 pounds of hay? Are we weighing it? Do we know that you're giving actually the 20 pounds. Are you spreading it out through the day? Yes, we've checked all those boxes. You're doing all that. Then I'll do a hay test and I'll say, "Okay, well, the hay that you're feeding, it's doesn't have any mold or dust or weeds in it, but nutritionally, it's not the highest in calorie content." So, can we look to replace, let's say we we take that hay because that's all you can afford um, or that's all you can source in your area. So we'll take that and we'll do 50% that and maybe we'll do 50% alfalfa pellets or a better quality hay so that now we're improving the calories that are coming from the fiber part of the diet. Then we're going to look at, okay, what concentrate are you adding? Um, a lot of people would use the term grain, but I like to use the term concentrate because some of these feeds actually don't have any grain in them. They're made of super fibers and fat. So we look at that and we're going to look at a feed that it's at least 12% fat. And we're going to say, okay, how much are you feeding? Uh, We're probably feeding in the six to 12, six to eight pounds a day range, but we want to make sure that we're splitting that up over three, maybe even four meals a day. Why? Because the horse's digestive system is designed to consume small quantities more frequently. So let's capitalize on putting more calories into the diet, but let's capitalize on how the digestive system is the most efficient. So we'll do that. And then if we've done all that and we're still looking for some extra weight gain, at that point, I'm going to add additional oil. I might add half a cup. I might add up to two measuring cups of oil a day. And I'm going to split that over three to four meals. Now, some people will say, oh, well, you're diluting out the nutrients if you do that. You're not. As long as you're providing your horse with the amount of vitamins and minerals that they need, all you're doing is adding additional calories. And the reason why I like to add oil is because you can, it's not adding any extra bulk. If I wanted to get the same calories from beet pulp, for example... I would have to add about six pounds of dry beet pulp. Now we're going to wet that and that could be up to 18 to 20 pounds of wet beet pulp that I'm trying to get a horse to eat. Sometimes these horses are thin because they didn't have a big appetite to start with. So me trying to add an extra 20 pounds of wet beet pulp is just not practical. But two measuring cups of oil, horse doesn't even know it's there because it doesn't even add extra bulk. Most horses don't have an aversion to oil. Some don't like the palatability of it. So we'll look at other powdered fat supplements that are at that point, these powdered fat supplements don't actually have any omega-3s in them or sixes or nines. They've got just no omegas, um, but that's that's more of a convenience base. But as far as how much, usually anywhere between half a cup to two cups of oil on top of a diet that I've tried to maximize the forage as well as the grain or or concentrate I'm feeding.
1: Okay, yeah, that's a great example, especially where you mentioned, you know, if a horse is really just doesn't have that appetite to begin with, they're not going to want to add more like, I guess, filler or, you know.
0: it just bulk. And you also, you have to look at the person's management and they say, well, my horse goes out with a group of other horses and he eats really, really slowly and I can't feed him by himself. So adding pure calories in the form of oil Well, I'm not adding five extra pounds that he has to eat. He can still eat that really slowly, but, you know, not super slow. And so the other horses aren't going to come and kick him out and eat all the food that he's not able to eat. So, you know, it's all about management and practicality as well.
1: Yeah. And we, we live in such a time now where there's just so many different situations. It's not as black and white and as easy as it used to be with horses roaming, grazing in the wild. And so completely different situations. Some not always getting, you know, availability to pasture or what have you and the activity level where they're competing, some are competing on high levels. So it's just interesting. There are so many different scenarios that you could come up with. I'm sure you have seen, even as a nutritionist of I, I almost bet that you have a very common answer of it depends. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whenever people ask you questions. When I was going to school at the University of Idaho, I had an ag econ advisor and professor that I don't know how many times I heard that those words come from his mouth, but it was so often it depends. And I think that this is the scenario where it, it depends as well. Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: So sometimes people will introduce whether it be feed or forage or oils, you know, into their horse's diet without maybe working with a nutritionist or anything like that. So it can get kind of iffy, but what can happen if a horse consumes too much oil?
0: You know, oil is a great one because pretty much they're not going to consume too much Um, because palatability will go down before they do that. That's why when people say, oh, you know, can't feed oil to horses because they'll have a high fat diet, they're never going to get to that point because they just won't eat it. But if you add it too quickly, just like anything else, they might get loose manure, but palatability will really get driven down before they actually eat too much.
1: Okay. And so just like, I'm assuming just like you recommend for any other forage and feeds. Gradually introduce. Absolutely. Transition that in. Okay. Figured, but I wanted to throw it out there. (laughs) So you have talked about a few different times about palatability with oils. And I know that you mentioned earlier about how palatable corn oil is. So this leads me to this question. Are some oils more palatable than others? And if you don't necessarily like recommending corn oil, are there other more palatable oils that horse owners can consider?
0: So vegetable oil, which is soybean oil and canola oil are are very palatable. The other oils that become less and less palatable the more and more you feed are flaxseed oil. Um, obviously fish oil, any of those will become a little less palatable. So if I'm just looking for pure weight gain, I'm going to go with a canola or a soybean oil, which is vegetable oil. They're also the least expensive.
1: Okay. Well, that's helpful. So... This is a question that I came across in some of my research, and I don't know if this has anything to do with what you previously mentioned, where some people might be concerned with adding too much oil causing some sort of dilution effect, but does adding oil to the diet impact the amount of vitamin E or any other vitamins a horse should consume? Absolutely not. It's quite the opposite,
0: really. When it comes to vitamin E and vitamin A, they're fat-soluble vitamins, which means they're stored in the horse's fat. And that makes sense because think about how grasses grow because that's where they get them from, right? And grasses don't grow in the wintertime. Sometimes in some areas, there's snow covering it. So they need to be able to eat lots of grass in the spring, summer, and fall, and then they need to be able to store it somewhere. So they're going to store it in their fat. And then they use that all the way through the wintertime. And then in the springtime, when the grass comes on again, we've depleted all of our fat-soluble vitamins, our vitamin A and vitamin E. And now we're just going to get it out of the grass again. And we're going to start that cycle all over again. Versus something like a B vitamin, which is water-soluble. And they are constantly being produced by the microbes that live in the horse's hindgut. So they don't need to be stored anywhere. They're constantly being produced. So when a horse is thin, doesn't have any fat on its body, it's not going to be able to store those fat soluble vitamins. So that is when I always recommend if you're... Let's say we've got a horse that's really thin and we want to feed it vitamin E for some other reason. Maybe it had EPM or it's had some nerve damage and we want to add vitamin E to the diet. I would always add oil to the diet so that we make sure that we're boosting the calorie content We're getting a little bit more fat on the horse so that they can actually store those vitamins.
1: Okay. So if you have a thin horse and maybe you're not adding enough, you know, extra calories or fat or whatever to the diet that you need to be, and you're giving them those vitamins, it's basically all for naught because there's no way for it to store it. Well, it's not all for
0: naught. They're going to be able to use whatever is in their system at the time, but then they're not able to store it.
1: Okay. That's very interesting. I'm glad that you brought that up. Thank you. And this goes in um, a, just a little bit of a different direction. So the Stanley chopped alfalfa and chopped alfalfa Timothy have a little bit of canola oil added to them. So tell us a little bit about how that helps with leaf retention. Um, it helps keep the dust down. It helps with that leaf shatter, it
0: helps with an overall nice appearance of the product. It's a very small amount of oil. If you look. Look at the fat content of the product on the guaranteed analysis. It's four percent fat. Think the original ingredients that went into that—the alfalfa and timothy—they were two to three percent fat anyway. So we're only looking at about uh, you know one to one and a half percent fat being added. So in the grand scheme of things, it drives the calorie content up slightly, but really not a lot. Okay.
1: And I think, especially with the alfalfa forage there, where, you know, usually when people are feeding alfalfa, they're looking to it for the protein and even sometimes the calcium. Yes. Um, and if all the leaves fall to the bottom, even the horse doesn't get it, then you kind of defeats the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah. You want that whole product to stay together. Yeah. Um. So that every handful is exactly the same. You're right. You don't want all the leaves to be at the bottom and all of the stems to be at the top. Okay.
1: Good. Um, and then we've talked about a few, a handful of examples over the last uh, 30 minutes or so, but let's go to what type of horses shouldn't be fed oil in their diet? Are there any that absolutely shouldn't have it? Or are there any that they really just, it's more of kind of a recommendation where they just really don't need it? Any of those type of situations? Um, okay. So... Let's again
0: not use the word oil but say high fat diets. Oh, right, right. Perfect. Okay. And I'm going to I'm going to make you answer the part of it. I'll answer part of it and then I'll I'll and get you to answer part of it. Obviously a fat horse don't get a, don't give a fat horse more fat. It just makes him fatter. Right. But remember at the very beginning what produces bile? The liver. So if a horse had a liver that wasn't functioning very well, would you feed them oil or fat? Probably not. Correct. So if your horse has some liver dysfunction, um, that would be obviously diagnosed 100% by your veterinarian. And there are other symptoms that you're going to see in your horse and then blood parameters that your vet would say, well, your horse has some issues with its liver. It's not functioning 100%. We would definitely decrease the uh, fat content in the diet because it would really overwhelm them and and at that point the fat would be a problem we wouldn't be able to digest it so
1: okay that's a good one and so we talked about obviously horses that we want to put weight on them those ones obviously will benefit from having oil or just fat added to the diet but are there other horses that would benefit from having it added to their diet? And does it matter what kind of oil for different situations? So this
0: is, this is where we get to the goal of the owner and why else are we feeding oil? If we're not feeding oil for the pure calorie content, like we're not trying to put weight on our horse, we're looking for the benefits of omega-3 fatty acids. So I talked about anti-inflammatory properties. I talked about brain development, eye development, nervous system skin health, coat health, they would be all these other reasons why I want to boost the omega-3 fatty acids in the diet. But I also said that now we can break omega-3s up into three different categories. We've got ALA, alpha-linolenic acid, and then we've got DHA and EPA, docosahexaenoic acid and eicosapentaenoic acid. And if you've ever heard somebody say to you, oh, you should eat wild salmon it's high in omega-3s don't eat farm salmon because they're not high in omega-3s well that's because of what salmon eat they eat algae and algae is really high in the omega-3 fatty acid dha and so salmon is high in dha and epa and so when you look at how the body uses omega-3 fatty acids so if you're feeding a lot of flax then that's going to give you ala Right, the platform, ALA, that has to be converted to DHA and EPA in order for it to do anything in the body. The body can't actually use ALA. It has to be converted to DHA and EPA. So this is where I kind of digress a little bit and say, okay, if I am really, really, really looking for high omega-3s because I, I want to feed it to my broodmare so that the baby gets all the benefits, or I've got a horse with severe allergies and I'm looking for them to have a high anti-inflammatory properties, then I'm going to bypass all of the platforms and I'm going to go straight to a marine derived source. So an algae-based source or a fish oil. And you can say, well, horses don't eat fish in the wild. No, they don't, but we stress them. We do so much it is not natural to them that we cause all these problems that we have to try and fix. Um, so, so that's the,
1: yeah, that's the solution there. Okay, so you mentioned um, omega-3s are really good for hair, um, hair coat and everything. So I've heard a few other things that people like to use oil for, but I would like to know your take on it and if the accuracy of it, but can oil help with stiffness for older horses? Obviously, other people talk about like shiny coat, healthy hooves. Is that realistic with oil or is some of that not so true? I would say... The blanket statement of oil and stiffness
0: in older horses, no. I would say omega three fatty acids, in particular your DHA, is an anti-inflammatory, and yes, that could help with stiffness in in older horses. As far as healthy hooves, no, it's not going to oil per se. Fat calories are not going to help your horse's hooves shiny coat any oil will do that and really that's because if you could take a little microscope and look underneath the skin layer of the horse where the hair follicle starts and then you've got a little bit of hair shaft underneath the skin and then the hair pops out of the skin and that's what we see there's a little gland underneath the skin called a sebaceous gland, and it actually is full of fat and it lubricates that hair follicle, the hair shaft that's outside of the skin. And you think, well, why would a horse in the wild, why would a horse need that mechanism? What's its feature? And if you think about a horse in the wild, that fat layer on the hair acts as like a raincoat and it stops bacteria and grunge getting into their skin layer. It's just like an outer protective coating. It kind of repels some of the water so they don't get bad bacteria growing on their skin. But in a show horse... If you keep that little fat gland full and it's constantly lubricating that hair shaft and you're brushing them and keeping them clean, then the light is going to reflect off that fatty layer and it's going to make it's going to shine it's going to refract and make him shiny you
1: look so pretty huh exactly
0: (laughs) exactly so
1: that is super interesting i really appreciate you sharing the those tidbits about the differing perspectives from wild horses and then you know shore horses and the purpose i guess that people have for what they're trying to accomplish there um i think this wraps up today's episode dr cubit this has been very interesting. Like we were talking about before, uh, oil is not something that I'm super familiar with in, in horse diets, just because it's not something that we directly add to our horses diets. And so I feel like I've learned quite a bit from this episode. Excellent. Excellent.
0: And, you know, we're, we're definitely a forage based company and we want to always talk about forage first but there are other questions that our listeners have and i think that it was definitely good to touch on this because forages do have some fat in them you know very small amount but it's definitely something that a lot of people feed to their horses and i think i always just go back to just because somebody else does it doesn't mean it's right but just because somebody else does it doesn't mean it's wrong either you always have to know the full story. What is their goal? Um, What horse are they feeding? What is your goal? What horse are you feeding? And so that's why it's always really good to work with a nutritionist or ask questions to your veterinarian to develop a program that's specific for your horse, because every horse is different. And just doing what somebody else is doing with their horse, we probably just end up in heartache.
1: (laughs) Right. And I know we've talked about this before, but when we get into the horse forums and the Facebook group pages and things like that, where people ask, especially newbie owners about what should I feed my horse and people tell everybody like this is what I feed my horse, but you know, they never get into the nitty gritty of what a nutritionist like what you always talk to me about how important it is all these questions that a nutritionist needs to follow up on. None of that is ever discussed.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we could have a whole nother podcast that I've been talking with a lot of people lately about how do I feed on a budget? And, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, we're always trying to feed our horses well, but we don't want to be wasting money. And so, in order to feed your horse on a budget, the way to do it is to know exactly what your horse needs and only feed them that. And if you don't know exactly what your horse needs and you're guessing, I guarantee you're wasting a lot of money in your guessing. So spend a little money up front. Talk to a nutritionist. Have a a session with your veterinarian if they specialize in nutrition and actually ask a bunch of questions. Lay out exactly the horse that you have and work out how to meet their exact needs. That's the way that you save money. Not by buying cheap feed, not by buying cheap forage. It's by knowing exactly what your horse needs and only feeding them that.
1: And looking at it as an investment, because, you know, if you set them up for success and you have that figured out and they don't have any other issues and ailments come up, I mean, there you have it. You have it figured out of what they need to have and what they don't.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Great advice, Dr. Cubit. So I think that'll do it for today. Um, again, if anybody has any questions or if you if there's a certain topic that you want to talk about that relates to nutrition or for anybody listening in that also has other species and there's specific topics that you would like to know about goats or, you know, small companion animals like rabbits or, and then chickens or anything like that, reach out to us at podcast at stanleyforage.com. We want to be able to talk about and bring in other experts as well that are going to help serve you and your needs. So again, Dr. Cubit, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Okay, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Barn podcast by Stanley Forage. We'd love for you to share our podcast with your favorite people. And subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. Until next time, keep your cinch tight and don't forget to turn off the water.